Hello and welcome back to Where Are All My Friends. This week's episode is with Katerina Nasser. She is an A&R at Fueled by Ramen and Electra Records, and her story is one that I respect so much. She really, really worked hard to get to where she's at. She's been so passionate about music since such a young age, but it really took a while for her to find out the best application and the best fit for her in her professional career. And she tells that story so well, and she is so perfectly fit to be an A&R, but that really didn't come easy. And I love how she shared that story. And I just think she's an overall rad person and sets such a great example of being so passionate about what you do and the success that that can bring matched with hard work. So let's leave it right there and get right into the episode. I'm so stoked to have her on. It's about time. Enjoy. Where are all my friends? <laughs> Katerina Nasser. Hello. Yo, I'm so stoked on this. I know. I it's been a long time coming, and this is an episode where we've known of each other, mm -hmm. and we have a lot of mutual friends. Yeah, a lot of my friends have been on this where all my friends exactly. on this podcast. Yes. <laughs> and we were internet friends. Yes. But we really wanted to do this in person, because you live yeah, in New York now, right? I do. I'm based in New York, but I am in LA way too often. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we've been chasing each other to get this done, so very happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. I'm always like extra stoked when like the episodes that are like bound to happen. happen. Like, yeah, it's like, like yeah, this is it. also my first podcast I'm ever doing. I wasn't sure. I tried I, to do <laughs> a little recon on my yeah, guests. No, I well, I had one in high school with my dear friend Lainey. OK, Um, where we would just like talk about Taylor Swift and like <laughs> you gotta. But it wasn't like you know, anything serious. But this is my first time, like, being a guest on a podcast. Dang. So I'm li living for it. I okay. love it. So well, good. I love and podcasts, so I'm very excited. It's very important to me. Like, when I do somebody's first podcast, I want it to be a fucking rad episode. No, so, we're going we're gonna to go in. Yeah. 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 And I, I also try to have somewhat of an outline, but, like, learn your story in real yeah. time. So to start it off, for a listener who doesn't know who you are, Mm -hmm. A brief explanation of who you are and what you do. Who I am and what I do. Well, my name is Katerina Nasser. Um, I am originally from Houston, Texas. Grew up there. And then I went to college in Austin, Texas at University of Texas. Yeah. And then I moved to New York um, in 2018 uh, to work for Electra um, and have been doing A&R stuff there ever since. So it's been about, it'll be four years in the summer. So I guess like a little over three and a half years. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I do A&R there now and work with a ton of incredible artists and um, coworkers there who are amazing. And we've gone through a lot of changes and uh, amazing things over the last couple of years. But that is kind of the summation. Yeah. No, that um, says it well. Yeah. And what instantly stands out to me, because again, I, the amount of times that there's a huge shout out to Johnny Minardi on this podcast is unreal. The best. Uh, but here we are again with yeah. the huge shout out to Johnny Minardi. I mean, yeah. But what stands out to me about you and like what I've heard about you specifically from him is just like mm -hmm. your extreme hard work ethic and authenticity to just giving a shit. And yeah. it seems like from what I know of your story, you really started at the bottom and you didn't have some yeah. guaranteed title and you just showed up consistently over and over again yeah. and killed it at your earlier positions. And mm -hmm. that got you to the spot of A&R. And I'm very interested in that. Yeah. I mean, I guess you have to start with like, I'm a kid of immigrants. So like my dad's from Lebanon. Whoa. My mom's from Peru, but I grew up in Texas. Um, so I think like the 
hard work, like no stopping kind of like American dream for lack of a better word thing is like just baked into who I am because like I never like, I mean, when I was little, it was like doctor or lawyer. You will go to college and like education is super important. My family, my dad is like two PhDs, like we're super big on going to school. So I knew that was always going to be my path. But working in entertainment was just like not something that ever crossed my mind, like ever. So when I fell in love with it, um, and I wanted to be like on Broadway when I was little. (laughs) So my dad from early days was like, she wants to do something crazy. Like who knows what it's going to be. And then when it was this, you know, I told my parents, I was like, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to half-ass it. Like I'm going to go all the way. Yeah. And like, there's like I promised you like I'm gonna take good care of you and I'm gonna I'm gonna have a legit job so I think like that like fire under my belly obviously just like a I think I'll get into like just being a big fan of music but like it also just comes from like my upbringing and yeah. like, being, like obsessive with like it's also, if I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it big you know it's like strangely like a pattern that I've noticed of when your parents are not from here and yeah. the American dream or whatever that yeah. is you're not entitled to it, but it's Mm -hmm. something that like your parents like actively worked very hard on to give you an opportunity that they didn't have. The amount that I see that theme in successful people that have that Mm -hmm. and just show up and work hard genuinely, there's something really interesting to that that I've noticed. You have a different perspective. Like I also didn't have parents that were like music heads. Like they like music. You know, my parents were like, they're all about gatherings. Like we always have people over and dinners and people sing at our house. So music's always a part of that yeah. kind of thing. But, you know, people who are like, my dad had a huge vinyl collection and like collected records and loved Led Zeppelin and showed me classic rock. Like <laughs> you don't my dad that. listens to like Andrea Bocelli and like, like two sting songs. Yeah. Like he's not like, <laughs> like, and my mom, like they're not music heads, yeah. but my older siblings were. Mm. And I think my older siblings and I are a product of pop culture. And like, just when you, when you, when you grow up in America, but you're not, your parents aren't from here. Like all you're given is the TV and the movies and the music specifically that makes you be like, okay, cool. This is like where I think I belong. My brother was like huge pop punk head. My sister was like Britney Spears and NSYNC. And then I ended up falling in love with things I fell in love with, but it was all in tune with like what was huge at the time that they were teenagers. That just was so much a part of my sense of self because like, that's how I like, you know, that was my connection to like growing up and and figuring out who I was in addition to like feeling a little bit foreign, but also being American, you know, yeah, Uh, and growing up somewhere like Houston, which like, honestly is a really diverse place but like you know it's still texas and i went to like catholic school and like yeah you know like we were like the kind of like of the otherness like we my family was a part of it so music always felt like and pop culture always felt like that place that i could like really you know yeah find things and fall in love with them and like i look back on my life and i'm like that started like from like fourth or fifth grade even younger like i used to know every word to every song on the radio like, I was obsessed with pop I think music, really. To that point, too, like, again, it felt to me like when I found, like, finding music that wasn't on the radio was one thing. And you're like, well, yeah. this is sick. But then, like, going to your first concerts and, mm-hmm. like, that was one of the first communities where I was like, oh, mm-hmm. no one gives a shit who you are, or where you come from. Like, you're all just yeah. there because you love the same thing. Yeah. And that, I think, is such a finding that as a kid and like finding your own community I think oh, yeah. is so important yeah I mean that's the whole reason I'm here you know like in high school I was such a fangirl like I had a tumblr and it had a way too many followers it was very insane. oh you like built a tumblr tumblr oh I was like running a full-time one direction blog when I was 15 <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. No Yo. shame. Also, not ashamed to say this because most people in my life and every artist I work with knows this. Wait, how in the world would you be ashamed of that? That's sick. That's a well, flex. I, look, completely. But it, it's something that I... So I started it when I was like 14, 15. Well, I guess to start about... I, I, that's when I found them is I saw a picture of them on Tumblr and I was mm, like... What is this? this? Is, I think they're such good proof that if you're, you're a star and you have charisma, there is just something otherworldly about you when when a fan comes across it yeah when i just saw this photo of them i was like this who is what i need need to know Mm -hmm. everything Mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. (laughs) and people want to that doesn't have to do with looks or anything it's about like that you know there's an energy and yeah an air about somebody and i think from a young age i was always able to identify that but yeah saw that picture figured out who they were watched every single x factor video what makes you beautiful had not come out yet i x out of my blog made it One Direction blog and like, you know, ran it for like a couple of years and um, found so many other artists through that, including Ed Sheeran, who will come into my story later. But that was also someone that I was like, this is going to be the biggest artist in the world. Like, I've never heard a voice like this, songwriting like this. I always say like One Direction taught me fandom mm. and Ed Sheeran taught me great songwriting. Wow. And I think I wouldn't be the a I am if I hadn't found both of those things at such a young age yeah. and kind of watched them explode like they both those both those are both stadium acts like yeah and like to, to have been there from like inception and and believe in them at such a young age and watch them grow like kind of going back to like your first question of like you've worked from day one it's like because i started in my bedroom watching things i loved mm-hmm. and i'll throw the 1975 in there because they're a huge huge band for me too yeah of like i watched these things that i found so early and felt such ownership over honestly for lack of a better word right explode and and honestly a lot of and all my friends in high school will tell you this they were all like cat's like redhead singer songwriter she likes and like her her little boy band like they're always been like and then they were like wait you were like right about all those things yeah they're like, like wait, i told you that band yeah. we're hearing on the radio now that was the one that you were talking <laughs> exactly, about exactly yeah. exactly so tumblr like you're saying community and shows like you know, we were camping out for like bands and waiting in the cold and in the rain and like driving everywhere. And like I went to New York to see One Direction on the Today Show and like I did crazy things. But it's because you're so driven. And I think now that I'm in this position, like I see where it's coming from and it's about all about community. Yeah. And it's all about, you know, surrounding around a great artist and around something that's a bit bigger than ourselves. And like I always talk to the artists I work with about this and I'm like, there are people in that audience that you know, what you make and what you stand for is a huge part of their life. And like, we've yeah. all had that, you know? Yeah. So I think that's what really always fueled me to be like, you know, a bull with horns about getting to even this point and whatever point I'm going to next. I just like, I've always felt this like weight on my shoulders <laughs> mm. to give that to little Katarinas who are next, you know? And like, yo, yes. you know, like it's, just, and honestly, like I say weight on my shoulders because it truly feels like an obligation. Like as much as it's a passion, it's also just like a little bit of a calling, I guess for lack of a better word, it's a bit corny, but it's just like this idea of like, I got so lucky that I got to experience fandom and community and great artists and watch people blossom and have hit songs that I like felt attached to. And like, I think that that can happen. It can and will always happen over and over again. Yes. And even like Johnny and I talk about it a lot because obviously Johnny came from like the Chicago scene and watched that whole yeah. pop punk movement. And then that trickled down to like, even today, all the hit songs on the radio are inspired by that era. And like, 
you kind of don't know that you're in a special era until you reflect on it. So, oh, <laughs> so I think like I get super nostalgic for like my Tumblr 2010s life. And I yeah. want and I know that there's like young women, people out there that see someone like Chloe and, and, and Moriondo and feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um and it's I, just the whole reason I wanted to do this. That's why, like, there's such this, like, you know, that's cool. tenacious energy because I had it myself, you know? That's really cool. And I, I think about this often of, like, that community. And, and Alexa was on the podcast. And we mm-hmm. talk about starting from a fan and being the power that that has. Yeah. And how The leg up it has. Uh, right. I, I personally get so upset when people discredit that as your start to it. Because yeah. I think that's the most qualified position to be is the kid that isn't absolute authentic fan that's mm. on the internet that's finding all this stuff it's like yeah that's the most qualified person that should be there yeah and i think about this because I, I honestly feel a little out of touch now of like <laughs> i know that still exists yeah. and i know that like i feel like now every older person in music is like oh yeah tiktok but i, I think that like what you said there of community and mm. i think like the people that are early there that's something that I'm obsessed with. And I think that just the combination of fan and community is a timeless formula yeah. for being early and growing And identifying talent. Yeah. yeah. And I think like, you know, for me, it's always like about seeing behaviors and actions mm-hmm. that feel a bit like, you know, I work with this band I just signed called New Rules. Mm. Um, they're managed by Modest Management who developed One Direction and Five Seconds of Summer and Little Mix and everything I've ever loved. What a cool moment for you. It's crazy and and they're amazing, but I watch their fans who are incredible um, and the way that they talk about them, Mm -hmm. the way that they talk on Twitter or their TikTok comments or the way that they engage with them, it just screams off the page like this is something special because mm. it's so rare to elicit that reaction mm-hmm. and to get people moving. Like, mm-hmm. especially now we're in such an attention economy. Like you have so many options of things to stream, play, listen to, like, like if someone is taking the time to comment on a video, share a song and say something like so passionate about it, like you're developing like an army, you know, yeah. for lack of a better word. Yeah. And I think I always try to like, and like, you know, transition to another person I work with, Chloe, like it's similar that her fans, just the way that they talk and the way that they make memes and like do things that are just like, this is so unique. And like, like I agree with you. Like sometimes I even feel out of touch because I'm like, mm. you know, like I, what what side of the internet are they on? Am I on Discord? Am I on Twitch? Like I'm not really right. on those things, but it's all about our job is to be adaptable and understand like the language is the same. Mm-hmm. It's just the platform it exists on that's exactly. different and being really flexible and understanding that that's going to continue to happen. But like yeah. the way that fangirls and fans talk since the Beatles came off the plane in New York is the same. It's like the same. Screaming girls, signs are just the modern version of like all caps comments on TikTok. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and like that's so funny. that like you know, I, I really think that's always what I look for in an artist is like if if they're like starting those behaviors and like the camping out for the shows and like all the things that I did, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and I think going back to your point of like being a fan is such an asset, y- you know how important that is when you see that. Like yeah. you're seeing that and it matters more to you than maybe the average eye. And I think A&Rs normally either come from like a musical place, like they were either writers or musicians themselves or like thought they wanted to be artists or whatever or they're just fans and i'm most definitely the latter yeah and i think 
you know, even when I'm a records, I always say, I'm like, your fans are going to love that part. So you can't take it out. Like, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, but I'm like, yeah, well, listen to me. <laughs> right. You know what? Yeah. I always say, I'm like, I'm always going to give you the fan perspective because yeah. I can't play any instruments. Right. I don't know how to out no, myself, but, but I can't. I, I, I love that you own that. Right. I think <laughs> yeah. that's so important and powerful to just be like, well, cool. I came from this and yeah. I know this I mean, it very took well. a minute this to own it. Truth. It took yeah. a minute, you yeah. know, like getting comfortable with producers and writers to like speak what I wanted and say what I thought was best for the record. But you know, the, p- the best producers are people that are like, no, I, w- I need like the human perspective right. because I'm so in it with the yeah. technical aspects. Yeah. So I always just try to be like, how is this? Where are we listening to the song? Or is it like with are you singing it in a hairbrush what, mm-hmm, into a hairbrush mm-hmm. in your room? Are you in a car with your friends? Like, where is the song going to get played and where are real fans going to be absorbing it and honestly weaving it into their lives? Yeah, because that's how you make hits. Like totally. you, you, you create things that are just going to live with people and and have them kind of be like a timeline of like their life. Like, you know, here's a wild thing to think about. So we like we acknowledge that energy, right? The Beatles mm-hmm. energy, the One Direction energy mm-hmm. like that. Like it's the there. mania and it it, it 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 translates over and over again. It's the same feeling, different platforms. Where like how like where does that come from, right? Like, can you engineer mm-hmm. that or is it just a thing like that? Like Justin Bieber, yeah. One Direction, like can you engineer that or like do you think that there are just certain people that are so fucking born and meant to be that in the world that yeah. it's universally I translates? think it's the latter yeah. I think it's the latter I I think engineers maybe not the word you can um support it and yeah. get it to that point like I don't think things like Bieber Jonas Brothers would have gotten to that level if they didn't have the right songs the right people around them the right choices they made all that stuff but like at the end of the day when you boil it down like it is about charisma and it is yeah. about just being somebody that people want to pay attention to and, yeah. and feel a part of. And like, I think what's so crazy is it keeps happening over and over again. Right. And what's also so crazy is it's never someone from America, which is something I always point out. Go and on. And people go, people go, well, what about Shawn Mendes? I'm like, Shawn Mendes is from Canada. Justin Bieber is from Canada. Five seconds of summer from Australia. One Direction, we're British. Taylor Every- Swift? I'm talking about teen heartthrob male sensations. The Beatles were from England. It's really hard. I mean, there's maybe a couple here and there. I'm talking about like superstar level teen male heartthrobs. In sync, Backstreet Boys? I guess, but like that was the 90s. Uh-huh. Like, you know, they're, they're the only ones, actually. You just disproved my theory, but they're the only ones. But like BTS, like in the last X amount of years, it's all a lot of XUS things. Yeah. That's Which is, I was always crazy. I'm super drawn to British music. Like, I, you know, four of the artists I work with are based in London. Yeah. Three or four. Anybody Stuff listening the to pond. this right now has that moment where you wish you could scream into the podcast and be like, you're forgetting this. Please let us yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because let you us just know. blew my mind with that. Where but I'm even like, like if you tangentially oh go into singer-songwriters, Ed Sheeran, Hozier, James Bay, like all these people are all, you're like, <laughs> you got me fucked <laughs> For up. For those people like just listening, Andrew's eyes are like, yeah, like I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, no, I I tend to blow people's mind with this. And it's like, it's just because I always get told like, you you gotta sign more things in your own country. I'm like, nope, (laughs) absolutely not. I'm I'm thinking and like, obviously we've had huge acts in the US, but like for this like crazy star power application, I'm like. Yeah, and people always say like, how come your taste is so non-American? I'm like, because I, well, it's, it's it's not just strategy. It's just truly my taste, which I think kind of, proves my theory further that like I'm someone that's drawn to stuff like that. Yeah. So if I'm drawn to it, oh, Louis Capaldi, sorry, another one. 
you know, I could just keep going. <laughs> but so I think there's a, I think it's because there's a level of, well, A, the fan is consuming someone they feel is foreign, isn't like a boy that could be in their class. It's more like someone that they can daydream about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't just mean that in a romantic way, because I think that's another thing. And I want to say this clearly. I think everyone thinks fangirls just like things for the romance aspect or like the physical attraction aspect. It's so much bigger than that. Like it mm-hmm. is about community and it's about feeling a part of something. Yeah. And yeah. it is actually about if we're going to get like real like down to it. It's also about like, you know, this idea of like a non-threatening experience for a woman to be a part of something. Mm. None of also none of these oh, stars we're talking about are like big macho men. Like they're all yeah. like really approachable, kind or like kind face to people, if that makes sense. Like it's less about, I think people want to be really shallow about it and be like, well, they're just attractive. People like them. That's why it's like like girls are thinking about a lot more than that, you know? So it's wild that you now understand it. Like you, you were there as the fan blogging about it. And now you're there working in it yeah. and you can dissect and these talking areas. like a scholar. <laughs> right. Well, like you're like you're looking at it very methodically and you're yeah. like, it's this, it's this, it's this. And I can speak to my experience and I can see what people would see on the outside. But there's actually this, this and this in it as well. Yeah. And it's like it's it's a lane that in all honesty, like I haven't really tried to dissect too much. I'm just like, that's pretty fucking crazy. Justin Bieber's uh, selling selling a lot of stuff out. huh? <laughs> but like that's it's really interesting. But yeah, another thing. Because like I, I really love like you you very clearly understand like fandoms and communities and like that feeling and hearing mm-hmm. you speak on that. Uh, but but something else that I'm very interested in about you is your specific come up. So clearly, mm-hmm. like you came from being a spot of being a real fan and yeah. going in and just building the tumblers and the growth of all of that. But I'm really curious because I would imagine, too, that there's probably somebody listening to this podcast that's like, that's so sick. I'm mm-hmm. a fan of music. I feel How like I'm early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I'm early on music and yeah. communities. And like, I want to be more than just somebody going to shows. Totally. So at what point in your life did you start to think like, whoa, maybe this love for music Is could more. translate to a job? Yeah. So I was in high school and then I you know, got into UT Austin for journalism and went there and, you know, started going to school there, was still such a music fan. And I made like, obviously like my new set of friends in college, people that didn't know me before. Mm. And they were like, you know, everything about music. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, not really. Cause all of my high school friends, like my best friend, Hannah from high school to this day is still like my back bouncing board for like yeah. sending stuff to like, Sick. she's just like a music head and comes from like her family was a musical family. Uh. So I would go to her house and her dad would be playing records. And I'd be like, what's that? Like, you know? Yeah. So I always had pretty into music friends in high school. So when I got to college, I met these new people. They were like, you like love this shit. And I was like, yeah they're like no no like i've never seen anybody talk about this the way that you do wow and i was like i think i needed that perspective of like new people in my life interesting and my mom was always like you talk about stuff in a way that i like i know you're my kid but like this is weird you thought it was natural because you were just like i did i did and even like yeah and like i would you know my mom was like to this day she's like the way you would talk about like they're a star i was like my kid's 14 like why are they talking like this um it's pretty crazy but you know, I had this new perspective being in college and um, luckily was surrounded by a lot of like awesome, ambitious people who were like interning and doing stuff. And like UT is an amazing place and has also Austin has all sorts of like, you know, opportunities in all kind of industri- industries, but especially music. And I had a friend who was a couple years older than me and she was like, this is all you ever talk about. 
I know this is what you want to do. And also, I guess I had need to mention too that that year, um, 1989, Taylor Swift had come out. Best album ever. Get me um, started. And I remember the album came out and I was sat on my dorm room floor and I was with friends. And the singles for that record were Shake It Off, Out of the Woods, and mm. Style. Okay, mm -hmm. I remember like the, the instant mm. grats, the pre-releases. And then when the record came out, I was like, the two best songs on this album are Blank Space and Bad Blood. Mm. And I told, which like now as a Taylor fan, like disclaimer, if anyone's listening to this, like I don't think Blood Blood's a great song, but at the like it's not my favorite Taylor song, but at the time I was Pretty like, this song. is definitely like a hit. Mm. And I remember my one of the girls on my floor was like, "How do you know that?" And I was mm. like, "I just know." And then they both were massive songs. And she came back to me. She was like, "Remember when you told me that those were the two biggest songs? Like, how do you know that?" And I was like, "I just knew." Just so it was, it. and I remember that was when I was like why can I tell you what like the best songs are on a record? Like right. that, like understanding of like, you know, how to pluck things and, yeah. and, and be that's beyond right. Just understanding talent and a different time. That's and like artist development, artist development, yeah. you know? And I think that like the fact that you own, you're like, I don't know how to play music or no specific instruments. Like I too, mm -hmm. every now and then will have that feeling. And I think that like, I hope that people that maybe have that feeling as well yeah. don't think you have to know music to do it because when you have that, yeah, it is like this intangible power thing. Hundred percent. Where it's like it's intuition. It's just something. It comes from being a fan. It comes from listening to a fuck ton of music. Yeah. You don't need to professionally be able to be like this chord progression no. into this chorus. Like no, like I would also that. encourage people like, and I'll like get back to the the train of the rise after this, but sure, it you have to train your ear to know those things. Sit down, go through old records you love, pick out which the singles were. Why were they the singles? What should, what, 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 what album track do you love? Why do you love it? Like ask yourself those questions and train yourself. I had no, like, you know, I'll get, I had people later on mentor me and like on the greater level, but like, I trained myself like yeah. in, in those years of just being like, I'm going to go find every record I like, figure out what label it's signed to, who's the agent, yeah. where they're from like and just become honestly like knowledge is power in this business and i think like the more like you know i used to think like my useless knowledge of all the things i liked was just because i was a fan but it, it, it's proven to be and continues to be like something like like even i was talking about the band i work with new rules they're like how come you know so many obscure like British alternative bands from 2016? And I'm like, because that's all I listened to, right? <laughs> you know, and right. they're like, it helps me develop their project because yeah. they're always referencing those bands. And I'm like, yeah, I know that song. They're like, I can't believe you know that song. Yeah, and I'm but like, it's like that education comes pretty natural when you yeah. genuinely love it. Yeah, but still, nonetheless, it's education. The word is curious, you know. Um. So anyway, had a friend. She was like, "This is all you ever loved. You need to start interning." And I was hmm. like, "I'm a freshman." Freshmen don't intern, mm. which is really crazy. A lot of these colleges, and I don't know if it's changed now, but for me, like, first of all, music's full of credit only internships, and no college can give you credit until you're basically a junior or senior. Yeah, um, that system feels kind of broken. It's super broken. I hope it's changed, but at the time I had to go through, and I'll get to this, but for my first internship, I had to go through a community college to get credit. And I basically paid to intern. Like, I was paying for this college credit. Right. It was like a whole mess. But anyway, yeah. I was like, okay. And I went home that night and I applied to C3 Presents, which is a like promoter, um, concert promoter. They do Lollapalooza. They do ACL. And they um, 
have a bunch of the bigger venues in Texas because that was the one place I knew from the grapevine was like the place to work in music in Austin. Okay. Mm. Besides like a South by Southwest situation. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to apply to this. I got, you know, a response from um, the concerts marketing department, which was basically at the time you couldn't even advertise on Instagram. I also sound old. I'm literally not old, but it's just, this should show y'all how quickly things have changed. Like this is 2015. Wow. Yeah. And you couldn't even advertise on Instagram. So like, that's really not that long ago for all intents and purposes. Like, so I get this job. The woman was like, I don't hire freshmen, but I like you. And I was like, okay. Um, So I get this job and I sit in like a little dark room and like send out links on Twitter to like tickets on sale now and like worked in like the back end of like their WordPress website. And I thought it was the coolest job in the world. I was like... This is so fun. And I was like finding new bands because obviously like, they have they work a lot of the smaller 350 cap, 200 cap, 500 cap rooms. I was like, whoever was playing those rooms, I was like, if I didn't know them, I'd go listen to them. And then I'd go cool. back and I would just like start to find things. And for me, I was like totally happy doing that. But I was also like, this is like not what I want. Like I want to be closer to the music. And at the time I met a bunch of my fellow interns and we started a blog Um and we would like, you know, cover shows. And I was like the pop alternative editor because that was like when blogs were like cool and yeah, like all was. the rage. Yeah. 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 I, I met those fellow interns, which was a, the, a huge thing. Like one of those people is my really dear friend, Austin, who's now like a director of marketing at Republic Records. Like uh, another girl, Mickey, that I worked with, she works at Capitol. Like there's, Amazing. we all came up together. And I think that's a huge lesson is like, do not try to go like to like don't be too pressed with going above you like go horizontal and like oh cool like lean into your network yeah and oh my, be like, very okay with the people yeah, you're like, coming up with yes you're probably the next ones yes yeah. and like know each other and like stick with each other because yeah. you're gonna get you know you'd also never know who's gonna you're gonna work with in some capacity yeah. and like it's it's like meeting all those people at a young age was huge for me and they were all artist management interns i was jealous of them because right. I was like I want to work in artist but management but you're saying like <laughs> instead of like chasing like seeing the person with the super legit title yeah. when you're young and being like I got to do everything yeah. to be with them just like lean into the people Dude, that are your peers let's be real and- my supervisor at C3 like you think she probably remembers me like I don't even know right. like yeah, she was a nice lady but like yeah, Austin Austin and I are still friends to this day and yeah. he um works at another major label you right. know it's like it, it's, it's a really and you never know like what we're going to collaborate on one day like our relationship is super valuable. And like, I think it wouldn't have existed if we had an intern together and I hadn't yeah. spent time getting to know him versus like, you really only need a couple higher ups in your life to really have that meaningful relationship with. Yeah, You're going to need your um, counterparts to, ha- you need lots of friends. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think about that a lot, actually. I think about like the people that are interested in music or the or anything, actually. Yeah. Like you look at, you're always going to have the people that are like that step ahead and you're like, oh, must be so nice. And you can chase that or like you can really build a special community amongst yourselves. And then you kind of make this thing that like no one else can replicate. And it's the new fresh thing that everybody wants. Yeah. yeah. We were all slowly figuring out what we wanted. Like I think Austin at the time, for example, was like artist management intern. I was this marketing intern. I had, to be clear, I had no idea what A&R is at this point. I'm like 19. I have no idea what A&R is. Mm. I know record labels or do stuff but like I didn't know what it was and I think that's also something like comfort people is like once again like you do not need to know what A&R is to like at such an early age to end up in that position like mm-hmm. they want you to think 
that it has golden gates around it. They want you to think that you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Nobody knows what they're doing. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and you have to just follow your heart for lack of a better cornier statement. But, you know, I, after C3, uh, kept hustling, went to a radio station. That was a AAA radio station very big in Austin. And that was my first interaction with the label person because they had the promo rep come in and pitch the records that they were working, right? And this guy mm. from Capitol came in, was pitching Halsey. <laughs> and he was like going in hard on like, she's a superstar, blah, blah, blah. And the program director just wasn't having it. She was like, I don't know. And I poked my head in and I was like, but keep in mind, I was a digital content intern. Why a radio station had digital content, I have no idea. But I was like, I don't want to be a digital content intern. I want to like program the music. Like that's way more my speed. And I was like, you should play Halsey. And she goes, what? And I go, she's going to be huge. And if you don't play it, you're going to kick yourself if, if in a couple of years. Like you should play it. And like, even if you don't like that song, you should like her because she's a star. Because Halsey was on Tumblr with us. Like she was like, She's a, yeah, she, she talks about it. She's just like a big One Direction girl and like yeah, yeah. What, was making music very early under a different name. And like I had known her from those days and she yeah. always had this like thing about her. And the Capitol guy was like, yeah, what the intern said. And she was like, after the meeting, she goes, come in here. And I was like, I'm in trouble. I talked. She's going to be mad at me. She's like, sit down. I'm going to play you songs back to back. Yeah. And you're going to tell me what you think of them. Okay. So she did that. And she's like, this song or this song? And I'd be like, that song. And I would explain why. This song or this song? That song's been mine. And then she was like, when you talk about music, I want to listen to it. That's a very special gift. And I think you're an AR person. And I was like, that just what gave me is, goosebumps. I was like, what is AR? <laughs> I was like, thank you, but what is that? And she kind of explained it to me. She's like, it's the person that finds the artist and signs them and helps them develop their music. And I was like, that's a job. That's crazy. So that was like my first exposure, but still. Once again, at that point, it was just like, I'm just interning for fun. Like, I don't know if this is what I want. So um, kept hustling, worked at that radio station on and off, worked for like a local manager who was amazing. This guy, Jake, who I'm still in touch with, lives in Nashville. Um, and then he was like, I think you should go to an agency because that's the best exposure you can get. Yeah. Um, and at the time, I was booking a lot of local shows with local bands. Like, I, that's another thing. Like, I guess... Another advice point is like common theme. Get involved with your local scene. Yeah, common. To be honest, theme. I don't keep in touch with. I don't wasn't as lucky as Johnny Minardi to just like have Fall Out Boy in my hometown. Just <laughs> casually booking them. And fucking... But um, I learned a lot, and yeah. I booked gigs for like you know like frat bands and like all sorts of stuff. And mm. I just learned a lot, and I was like, I love booking shows. Maybe I want to be an agent. No, no shade <laughs> to people who decide to do that. Just not for me. Yeah. Um. But got applied cold, no referrals mm. to this job at CAA. Mm. Um. Interning in their touring department, and I got a call back from their New York office, which I New York was always my dream, mm. always. And I got the job. Um. I was one of two interns in the entire class with no referrals. Holy shit. So I guess, like, I don't want to say luck because at that point my resume was pretty, like, beefy to, like, get the job. But, like, I, I don't know. It's pretty – I don't know if it would even fly now. I think now it's less nepotism-y. I remember getting there and, like, I'm still good friends with the one girl that was um, non-referral. And we're always, like, we're here. Like, how do we get here? Yeah. Um, interned there. Met amazing people. Yeah. Hated the work. Yeah. Transparently. It just yeah. wasn't for me. I felt it to be really uninspiring. Mm -hmm. Don't, like, you know. That's okay, interesting, you too, know? right? Yeah. Like, 
you can, that's something that I've learned maybe even, yeah, it's outside of music as well. It's any professional career. Certain times you hear a job title or like a, a specific position mm -hmm. or area and field and you're like, oh my God, that's it. That's, yeah. I would love that. Oh my that. God, booking concerts, going to concerts for a living. And then you like go and do it and, and see experience the, the yeah. field and the minutia, perfect word for that. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, fuck this. Yeah. And then you see someone who loves it and you're like, that's not me. Yeah. And then like, you find <laughs> another lane where you're like, I didn't expect this, but this is actually all the stuff yeah. I love. I think that's interesting. Totally. I've experienced so, that a lot myself. I was under all the assistants there and they were all amazing. They're all people I still keep in touch with. They were so kind. Like I always say like, people are like, I, I loved the people at that job, but the work just wasn't for me. And I think at that point I was about to be a senior. I had done at this point, I think at that point I had done 10 internships. Wow. Like startups, managers, radio stations, concert promoters. Like I had tried on every hat. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I still didn't find the hat that worked for me. I was still like, I love music. I love this shit. I love working in the business. I'm fired up. None of this is for me. Where do I belong? Like I yeah. felt a little bit like, and you're how old? I want to say point? lost. Um, I think I was 20. That's interesting. So I'm like, a little young for my grade. I, I'm an August birthday. So I was always turning <laughs> later. <laughs> that's funny. Um, but still, like, it's funny because like, yes, that's young, but it's also like, that's a long time yeah. to be very passionate about music and chasing it. No, and it. I was like ready at that point to, and like, then to like find what I wanted. feel lost. Yeah. I, yeah. And also like, keep in mind, going back to my Arab father, I had promised him when I graduated from college that I was going to have a solid gig. Oh, shit. So the <laughs> so pressure like, was on. Yeah, the pressure was on. So, um... You know, I get there. I meet a bunch of people I love. They had a weekly A and R meeting, which was my favorite week part of the day. And I would like pitch bands and pitch artists. And like I said, I had a great time, but I was just like, it wasn't for me. And I went to coffee with one of the agents who works predominantly actually in the rap and hip hop world, which is less my lane. But he was wonderful, and he sat with me. And I asked him, I was like, "Have you ever gotten a demo before?" Mm. And he was like, "Oh no, you don't belong here." <laughs> And I was Whoa. like, he was like, he looked at me like, it sounds patronizing. He was amazing. It was not patronizing. Yeah, he was yeah. like, you are an A&R and, and you can't come back here. Like you, you're going to be miserable. I've never gotten a demo in my life. I'm an agent. And like, I knew Whoa. that, like I knew the duties and skills and roles, but I think I needed someone to look at me and be like, honey, that's <laughs> not it. Turn around and run for the hills because you don't belong here. Massive props to that. Because at so that rad. point, I was like, I'll just come back here and be an assistant and work my way up and like maybe move to a label eventually. Because at that point, I was like, I think a label is like the epicenter of the artwork and the single and the video and like all the things that were being close to a project and doing artist development and, and doing the, you know, online for yeah. song out to stadium like yeah, how yeah. do you fill in that gap you yeah. know yeah. um so i was walking around after that coffee i was walking around the sports area of the office because they represent sports too and i hadn't met a sports agent yet and like at this point you have to believe in like universe you have to believe in like fate all this yep. stuff we were big on that on this i'm podcast. super big on. Yeah. i'm like mm -hmm. so big on that i'm like the corniest yeah. big yeah. heart we're, like, we're team yeah. manifestation and, and team, the, yeah. the unspoken energy and team listening on, to those things yeah um door was cracked open for like a um one of the sports agents and he had like a michigan flag and like a record player playing turn blue by the black keys one of my favorite albums and i was like he went to a state school and he likes music i went to a state school and i like music like i guess i'll just meet this sports agent because i hadn't met anyone in sports yet so i set up 15 minutes with him i go to his office it's this guy jeff filiberto shout out to philly he's the best we love him and we just like totally hit it off had a great conversation and he was like I really like you. I want to help you. Like, what do you want to do? 
with your life? And I, once again, I think I also needed someone to just like straight up ask me that. Yeah. And I felt this like core, <laughs> so cheesy, but I was like, I have to tell this man about finding Ed Sheeran. Like that was like my first thing yeah. I felt. Yeah. I was like, when I was 14, I found Ed Sheeran. It changed my life. Mm. I knew he was going to be the biggest artist in the world. Yeah. I heard the A-team. I was like, this song's massive. And I watched it go from him opening for Snow Patrol yeah. in my hometown oh, to like, I remember yeah, that. I know, iconic. He actually canceled all of his Texas shows, so I didn't get to go, but I did have tickets to arenas to hit songs. And that was right when he had like, sh- like that summer was like Shape of You and ca- all like his biggest moments that I come out. And I was like, and I want to do that. I want to develop artists. I want to watch them go from, I always say like, planting in this, planting in the mud to like sprouting to trees to forests. Like I want to watch that yeah. process and and kind of be with an underdog, honestly, because yeah. Ed was an underdog yeah. and kind of be like, oh, that's never going to work. And then everyone has and to watch it work. I think yeah. that's the sickest stuff oh, ever so and have a little bit of like a left of center perspective on it. And I realized now after all this time and I had given him like a brief summary of all the things I've just ran you through of what I had done yeah. in the intern sphere, I know I need to go be an A&R at a major label to do that because also I always had a pretty alternative taste. So I was like, maybe I'll go to like a matador or like a, an indie record, a dead oceans. Yeah. Like I liked that stuff, yeah, which kind of ends up playing into my relationship with Chloe later on, because that's all the stuff she liked at the beginning. And I liked, oh, cool. but I realized like through that CAA internship, like, no, I want to work with pop stars. Like I want to work with like, he, like I want to be at Madison Square Garden. I didn't want to. You want to play a big game, yeah. I didn't want to be at Stubbs Barbecue. And, yeah, you know, like yeah. I wanted to be, you know. And he looked at me and he was like, "You should meet my best friend from camp growing up. He has worked with Ed Sheeran from day one. He runs Electra Records. His name's Greg Nadell. I think he'd love you." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, well, I would love to meet this man you speak of, um, who is currently still my boss, which is pretty crazy." I know that was like, so that will have been five, five years ago this August. So then I went, I moved my flight because Greg was like only available this one day. And I was like, no worries. And I was like going back home to Texas. This is like to, the very yeah, end. Of- the casual, like, can like, you meet on this yeah, day? And you're like, totally. Sure. And you're like moving all of your travel, yeah, everything yeah, 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 yeah. to be like, yeah, it's the perfect. The timing to go is great. meet this guy. I go into my first footstep into a label building ever. Yeah. Which is also proof. Like people say like, oh, you have to intern at a label before you work at one. Um, (laughs) I didn't. So Um. I don't really know. Um, Met Greg, who is my boss. And for those that are listening, the um, head of the company still to this day. Yeah. um, And had the best conversation with him and was so inspired by him and just like really got on with him well. And, I asked him challenging questions. Like, I was yeah. like, I've been an Ed Sheeran fan since the beginning. What's up with this pop stuff? Like, what's going on? Like, he was like, Ed's wanted to do this from the moment I met him. Like, yeah. it's not an accident. And I was like, well, the fans are like confused a little bit. Because at the time it was like so jarring, you know? Mm-hmm. And now maybe people all look at him like a pop star. But at the time it was like, this is a singer-songwriter transitioning into yeah. um, a more pop sound. And he was like, no, I like that. You're like, as, like I was like asking him like, yeah. and then how did that happen? Yeah, and then whatever. Like- was that like because that's what a wildly pivotal important meeting in your life yeah did you go into it thinking it was a job interview or like how was it uh, set up were you it was nervous more like a con- like, i was so nervous oh my god i was like my heart did you know what beating. to wear did you go casual <laughs> did you go semi-professional i think did i you, went how much time did you have like i'm so oh god, into no. this i was moment. like so i i got there like 20 minutes early and i sat at the starbucks across the 
um, building and then I got in there and like just like yeah I think I wore like something like you know music industry is tough right? it's very tough like, that's why I want girl, these specifics especially as a girl you're like do I like stunt with an outfit do I do something I think I wear like black jeans and like a button up top and like mm. I did come up I did come up with my resume okay had okay. it printed and okay. I gave it to him but it was mainly just like a conversation like okay. that's what's so tough about the music business is there's such a blurred line of professionalism yeah you don't know when that conversation like, is, is that yeah like okay. what is happening so it felt pretty cat like out it was there, more it wasn't like a sitting meeting. there looking at like I see you were in nah. Texas it, it was, was a meeting got it it was a hang and I think that that gets you the farthest in this business is being Sick. a just a cool, yeah. like knowledgeable person about what you want. So, so out the rip, it's just like cool. Like yeah. I met you through my. Yeah, to keep in mind, like I also had a year left of college, so like oh, I'm crazy. sitting here like. <laughs> I yeah, it was more just school. like maybe this guy will help me guide myself or like maybe he, maybe yeah. this guy will know yeah. and maybe this is the, the maybe if it's not him it's someone else but the I, it sounds really corny thing. but I knew like I was gonna work for this man when as soon as I met him mm. he even says it to me he's like I just like yeah like I knew it's a little bit of like you just kind of know so um I kept in touch with him the entirety of my senior year mm. um and he called me in December and he was like can you start in January and I was like. No. This is how long school. after that meeting? This is like four or five months. Whoa. Yeah. So it wasn't just this like he was instant, not I like you, him. kid. You're hired. It was. Well, he knew I had college left. Right. I think he would have. But I he see. also had an assistant at the time, too. And he was like, you know, and so he would call me and be like, hey, when do you graduate? When do you graduate? And I was okay. like, May. Right. So, yeah, like, y'all had a connection. Yeah. It May. Yeah. Like every kid in the country. And I was like, but I can I can I can finish online. Like, what do you need? What do you need? And he was like, no finish college i want you to have a normal experience like we'll figure out something for you Respect. when you're ready yeah and then in spring break of whatever year that was caa called me and offered me a job and i was like at this point i'm like i don't want to go there so i call greg and i'm like i was really forward with him and i yeah. was like caa offered me a role I don't want to work there. I want to work for you yeah. let me know what i need to do to make yeah. that happen yeah and i think that's another thing too is like First of all, like going back to the Philly meeting, like I was like, I want to be an AR. This is the story that made me realize that watching Ed Sheeran break, do you know? Like, like you asked me what I wanted, I'm telling you what I want. Yeah. And then same thing with him. Like, I don't want that job. I want this job. I think people overcomplicate it and you just really need to tell people what you want. Like, yeah. Oh. By the way, the hardest part is figuring out what that is, right? right. That is, it is. And it took me four or five years. It took me, I mean, I guess for my whole life, because my whole life I was figuring out like, this music thing is in me. What is it? Question yeah. mark. Yeah. Why do I care about this 500 million times more than all my friends and all my family? Yeah. And it's because it was something in me. So I think it's like taking the time to like get to know yourself. Like it's corny, but like is a huge way that you're going to move forward in this business mm. and figuring out what your superpower is like and leaning into it. Like, yeah. And, and that, that took me a while. It doesn't come now or it doesn't necessarily yeah. come instantly. I didn't talk about the One Direction thing for like, the first couple internships I had. I was Whoa. embarrassed. Whoa. I mean, because totally. you know, you're not made to feel like that's a cool thing. But like, like us like talking like this whole like, manifestation thing or like the energy in the universe and listening, like I do think that so much is possible, but you do have to so clearly know your goal or your finish line or that yeah. like, to be, what do you want and say this? My whole career changed when I started owning where I actually came from. Whoa. When I started talking about my fangirl past, when I started talking about where my parents were from, mm -hmm you know, those things that make me me, like mm. it, it changed 
my whole perspective on how I look at artists and music and how I talk to people. Like mm. it, it really opened my eyes. And, you know, that day I was like, I wonder if he was like, I like, you know, came back to me three days later and was like, here's the job offer. So signed an offer with him to be his assistant at, I want everyone to understand this, Atlantic Records, Electra Records, an imprint of Atlantic with, I think he had 11 artists on the label. Uh-huh which was an imprint within Atlantic. And he worked the entirety of the Ed Sheeran project. So I was like, oh my God, I'm like, this is, it. this is great. What a great, like easy stepping stone into a label system, right? Like working for an imprint, working with one of my favorite artists of all time. This is amazing. I sat with him on the phone before, you know, I really accepted the job. And I was like, I want to sign, I want you to know, like, I know you kind of do this like curated Americana singer songwriter alternative thing, which is mm. what Electra was at the time, mostly. But I want to sign a boy band one day uh-huh. and I want to sign Sean Mendez uh-huh. and I want to work with pop music. Uh-huh. Is that is that a lane that will be carved out for me here? Well, cool. Basically, like, will I be able to sign stuff to Atlantic? Right, right. Was essentially the question. And or like, do you want to expand Electra? And he goes, no, that's great. I'm going to need that. And at the time I was like, it's a weird way to say that. <laughs> but OK, I just want to I wanted to clarify once again what I wanted because I don't want to compromise what I wanted. I, I right. wanted to be able to work with like big pop stars one day and um, do that kind of stuff. I take the job. A couple months go by. I'm in Lebanon visiting my family. I catch up on my music news. I'm like, like whatever, scrolling. There's an article from last week that's like, Electra Music Group and Electra and Fueled by Ramen coming together to form Electra Music Group with Greg, my now contractually assigned boss and this other man Mike Easterlin (laughs) on the cover and I was like what is this (laughs) so I text Greg or like call Greg or whatever hey like first of all congratulations (laughs) because it looks like you just got a big fat promotion but also are we good like is is, and my he goes no like I mean tell you I just couldn't you know obviously but you know I hope you're a Fuel by Ramen fan I was like it's only like everything I've ever loved in my entire life And suddenly that comment of like, I'm going to need that made sense, right? Because now we're our own label and we're separate from Atlantic and our roster is a majority alternative yeah. um, with our biggest acts becoming 21 Pilots, Brandy Carlisle and Panic at the Disco all at once, right? And right. still Ed who kind of sits and straddles both places. But um, yeah, it just felt like there was this clear, honestly, lane for me to, to bring in young talent in the pop, more pop-centered space, whatever that means. When I say pop, I don't want to mean like, bubble gum i mean like yeah, people who want to become you know like yeah that become You're that yeah, yeah i get yeah. you um so yeah we i i basically signed to a completely different company that it became right. which ended up being like and has been the last three and a half years of my life and has yeah. been the greatest blessing ever but we i spent two months working at atlantic and then we moved formally into i watched the whole change like holy shit. and i was greg's assistant through all of that right so he was going through a lot of changes and i think i learned so much from that process and like absorbed and soaked in so much knowledge and 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 watched like you know the tones and ideal happen and like mm. all these people come through our building and like worked with johnny to get the band camino into the building and do mm-hmm. all these things that like really informed like so many of my later on experiences and continue to inform like how I work now. But, you know, I was, I worked for Greg for a year and a half or a little under that as his right hand. Mm-hmm. And then um, started a and things 
um, during that process. And then right before the pandemic kind of got the cord cut and have been sort of doing that ever since. But obviously the pandemic is when I kind of stepped into like my full-time A&R role, which honestly I think served me well in the end. Cause I think I really got to like hone in my craft and understand and start to make records, which was what I always wanted. And, 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 you know, making Chloe's album blood bunny was like which is the first album I ever made, which is a little crazy. So sick. It's so insane. It's so crazy. It's like, what? I'm hearing it's two crazy. things in this. So, yeah. Finish, finish. Anyway, but I, I I'm know just what saying, I'm like, say. all of like watching Electra transition, getting in, like getting into that family at 2018 and now where we are in 2022, even like now, I don't know if you know, but we've merged with 300 yeah. Entertainment, yeah. which is enough. Like, and like, it's I'm kind of like, again. I'm like, it's like my second rodeo. Like, let's go. But I think that attitude of like, whatever's thrown at me, I've got this. And like, mm -hmm. whatever's thrown at me, like I have, like I said, like, I know what I want. Like, I know what I want to do. I don't know necessarily how I'm going to get there. Let's be clear. Sure. But, that's <laughs> but I'm going to try. Yeah. And I think, you know, you mentioned Johnny earlier, who has been a huge mentor for me and like a, a friend, honestly, yeah. and like someone who's really put their foot, like put their hands up so my foot can step on it to go up. And yeah. I mean, I think I already spoke highly of my boss, but he's mm -hmm. also someone who really plucked me from, you yeah, know. He saw that early. Yeah, he yeah. saw that early in me. And I think that's also our jobs, by the way, is to see talent in other executives and yeah. and and create a superstar team. Because I think yeah. we're super collaborative and like Johnny and I work on a lot of stuff together and like strategize together. And I think you win and going back to like focusing on people that are on your level or like not, you know, not getting too concerned with like things you can't reach, you know, what can, what is in your eyeline? Like I think yeah. people don't look enough at that. Um, and it's the same thing with signings, by the way, like why are you trying to like people want to sign stuff that is, you know, long far gone or whatever. Like they're chasing something around the block that doesn't want to work with them. Like someone doesn't want to work with you. That's their loss. Like, right, you know, right you should be developing talent that you really believe in that believes in you and believes in like what you're capable of bringing to the table for them and with them. Right. Um, well, you know, that's exactly but, what I was going to say is I like this moment in your career and all of you explaining this, I'm obsessed mm -hmm. with, but something that I'm hearing in it in like, I'm kind of analyzing it and thinking about it in real time is I think two really important things happened there mm -hmm. is you chose the right people. Yes. Like more so than a title or a status or a label. People with a capital P, honestly. Like, yeah. Yo, because it's like you instantly, like you and Greg, it was just like you knew, right? Yeah. It was it. Was it. it that did. was the person. And it's like you would never have guessed the progression of the company and where that would take you. Yeah. But there was something there with the people. Yeah. I think that's something like it's crazy. And then also the fact that throughout this, you knew exactly what you wanted and you said, I want to do this. But I don't hear any sense of entitlement in your story. And you were very clearly just an assistant to start. And you really just owned that yeah. and killed it. And I think that's so sick. Yeah. Because like just having those two things on lock has gotten you so much now. But it's like that's something mm. you can't force. And like it's I don't I don't yeah. know. I, I mean, 100 percent. I think I'm a better A&R person now because I was an assistant. Right. And I wouldn't know half of the people and the contacts I 
am with now if I hadn't. Yeah. And I think I really made the most of that role. But like, but then you to chose- be clear too, like it, it, it was frustrating. And I only now on the other side of that hill see that. But- I think in the, in the act of it, and this is like for people that are currently assistants or in coordinator roles that are just like, I am drowning. Like, yeah. make sure that you're working for someone that has your back. Okay. Yes. Because if you're just grinding away for no reason, then yeah, you are probably being put to work as a mule that isn't growing you. But for the most part, if the person you're working for has your back and is giving you creative work and roles outside of your admin duties, then you're in the right place. That. Like stick through it. You've got this. If I wish I could tell young cat, like, girl, you're fine. Like you, right, but, but, but I was so stressed and I was so like, I'm so ready to make records and I want this. And I like, there's no rush. Like there's no rush. Like I'm still have to tell myself that yeah, I'm still like, there's no rush. You the, know? Huge, huge coming back to the people, like what you just said there, like, yeah. And yes, maybe I have a bias because I love that whole umbrella, even yeah. though I don't know Greg personally, Aww. I've heard so many great things, but like the people like if you mm-hmm. had somebody who was a shitty mentor or somebody that just wanted you as the assistant and mm-hmm. just saw you as like here's a capable young mule and i'll give her a ton of work and i don't give a shit where she yeah. goes and this helps me it's very self-serving that burns you out it gives it ruins your entire perspective of the music industry it feels like you can never get anywhere but it's like that to me is like the people like you got that and now on the other side yeah. of it everything you learned and all of the bullshit you went through yeah makes you this incredibly great A&R that's so qualified but god do i respect the gregs of the world yeah. for recognizing young talent and giving you the opportunity to actually grow because yeah. that like that's the thing that i think as we continue to grow in our generation like you always have to pay that forward yeah. and yeah. that's so The other thing I'll say is like, aside from the people, like find something amazing, Mm. find something amazing, develop it, tell people like, I'm going to go away for six months, a year and bring this back to you with a whole different thing going on around it. And then be like, oh, there's like, cause you know, that was what Chloe was for me. It was like, this is an artist that's never done a writing session in their life. Mm -hmm. Like never, whatever in their life. Katarina, do you want to (laughs) like... And I, I was, you know, I like I've been a fan of her since YouTube, but like I think the it's the process of finding the right people, having the right support system, and then taking your own initiative to go and and work with someone very talented and 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 prove yourself really like and not not just be like you, that should the proving of yourself should happen naturally through yes. the growth with the artist. But I think maybe but to yeah. that point that like the the lesson that maybe you're saying is there's probably going to be opportunities in any professional career where there's like not like the sexiest, coolest artist, like the biggest hypey thing that you are presented. But if you're super passionate about it and you believe in it early and you take that initiative and you build it and you just dig in. It's more like Chloe didn't come complete on a silver platter. Yeah, that. Like she was like, a kid. <laughs> we laugh now because like i mean her growth is amazing she was like she was a kid like right. she's like you know and and now she's like fully about to have the biggest year of her career and it's like it's amazing and it's crazy. like crazy and i'm watching, watching her like i mean leaps and bounds one of the biggest, i get worried about like how, like <laughs> i tell my mom i'm like how do you have kids and watch them grow up because i'm watching this and i'm already like a wreck <laughs> like i'm like i'm worried about having kids because like i literally watch her and i'm like <laughs> Like, I want to cry watching them do anything. Like, yeah, the New Rules boys always laugh because I, like, cry in the studio all the time. Because <laughs> I'm like, you're just 
so talented. And they're like, oh my God, like our AR is crazy. But I really get emotional because yeah. it's like you watch these people change and grow before you. And like, you know, it's like you feel so a part of their journey. And I think it's like one of the greatest joys of my life to watch yeah. them grow and, yeah. and, and their fans grow with them. But she's a great example of like, you know, I'm going to go. Can I say the F word? Hell yeah. Okay, I don't know. I don't no, know. I I'm going to go fuck off yeah. for a second with this artist and bring it back to y'all. And and you guys are all going to. We made Blood Bunny like yeah. nobody. I didn't think anybody was going to care. And like right. Kobe and I talk about that all the time. We're like, we made this album in the thick of the pandemic. Every, almost every record on that song is a Zoom session. Wow. And we just made it and I loved it. And I knew it was great. And she knew it was great. But we didn't think it would be the number 13 best album in the New York times. Like, you know, of 2021, like what yeah. to this day, I'm like, wait, pardon. Like, yeah. I, you know? So I think there was an element of like surprise. And even like at the end of the year, we did this like company survey and, and it was so cool. Cause like everyone was like, it was like, what were your favorite songs at Electro over the last year? And like, it was like, monsters all-time low and like girl on tv Chloe mariondo and the whole company like voted on that and it's like to have like first of all like the two artists at very different stages in their career but to have like that support from people and like have that internal excitement about an artist is like something that i think people who are wanting to get into AR in these buildings earlier in their coordinators assistant positions like go find that thing for you mm. and find that artist by the way not only like do you have to have the vision like Kobe is the hardest worker I know. Mm. She is like so down to do anything it takes, mm -hmm. of course, without compromising her integrity mm -hmm. to be huge. And yeah. I think you have to find that artist that wants that too, because you can put all the time and effort and energy and ideas and vision into a project. But if that person doesn't want to go execute it, want to go do the interviews and the sessions. It's exhausting. Being an artist is a very difficult job. Oh, it's, like, a, it's crazy because it's like you have the part of be creating and making yeah. the fun stuff, but then you have all the bullshit that is not performing or writing songs. And all the pressure. Yeah. You know? So I think, um, and you know, I, I also want to preface like my story is incredibly unique, like down to finding someone like Greg to, mm. to, to work for. Um, down to, you know, working with someone like Chloe from an early stage and and, and having, I mean. Could I not challenge you, know, you though? Like, yes, cool. You've gotten a couple lucky moments, but yeah. I don't think, I think that if you hadn't been as passionate and genuine in your journey, mm. you would have had that Greg meeting and he would have been like, well, that's rad. I wish you the best. Have a great career, right? Like, yeah. I think that those like lucky moments are acknowledged mm. and recognized by the real passion. I don't right? think about that enough. I do think it is the corny thing of like you get you get back the energy you put out into the world. Yeah. And by the way, like there's going to be people who meet me and are like oh, she's not flashy enough. Like she's not enough like yeah, like you got this. We're gonna, mm -hmm, you're going to mm -hmm. be a superstar kid. Like I don't want to <laughs> yeah. be though. I don't want to be that way. Like I have to be a realist. Like yeah. um and I'm a pretty idealistic person, but like you know, I and even like it's been so, not been hard, but like something I've noticed even recently is like I'm not like that broy A and R. Like mm -hmm. I'm I, I'm like mm -hmm. uh, pretty feminine presenting. Like I want to talk about like One Direction yeah. and like clothes and but like again you, know, you said I, it. Yeah, it's your not everything got better when you started leaning into who, who I you were. am yeah. and like I'm not gonna sit there and talk about sports. I don't watch sports. I'm right. gonna sit there and talk about you know things that that I 
my interests that I connect with. And I've noticed like the Gen Z generation of artists, that's way more their speed, by the way. Yeah. Like they don't like, yeah. like they um, identify and I think relate to someone like me mm. before they're probably going to relate to your traditional A&R archetype, whatever 100%. that means. And I hope we're dismantling it one by one. But like yeah. there is a, when you close your eyes and you think of that, yeah. what that looks like. And I think as especially as more queer artists, more trans artists, more artists who have different gender identities and come from different places and our POC, like come into the ether and become the top to your talent. Yeah. They want to work with people who understand them. Yeah. And like people who are like, you know, empathetic and have perspective and like, you know, can, can, can really like, help take their narrative and, yeah. and disseminate it across the globe in a way that's authentic to them. And like, I think you're going to trust like a young woman with doing that who has like a background like mine more than maybe someone who is just like, I think you're going to trust type, anyone you know? who's authentic to that. Right. Like that's totally, that's my totally. thing is like, I don't give a fuck who you are, what you look I like, agree. any of that background. It's like, I want to work with the people that are authentic to the shit that I love. Yeah. And yeah. So, and to, to that point too, it's like, I just said that, but then I also was thinking like, I've had so many people tell me like, ah, oh, well, yeah, of course, you're a woman. That's why they, you know, they, like right. they probably related to you more. And it's like being a woman is like, I hope the last interesting thing about me. Right. Like, it's like, how about where I'm from? What I stand for? What I like all these things about me that yeah. like, even like, you know, you can still be an incredibly intuitive a and R and B is straight white male. Like it's sure. no, it has nothing to do with like your identity. It has to do with like educating yourself, your perspective, and looking for talent that you can uplift in different communities. Like going back to community, it all comes back to that. Modern community for this generation is, you know, uplifting people of color, uplifting queer voices, like yeah. doing stuff. And I talk about this all the time, like yeah. in our A and R meetings. I'm yeah. like. We have to, and even like, I'm so proud of like the Feel by Ramen roster and where it's oh. going from Meet Me at the Altar to We Just Signed the Blossom um, to Chloe. It's like a very like badass, like like different gender identities, yeah. people of color, like this really like, honestly, the modern version of badass, which yeah. is what Feel by Ramen's always been. Yeah. And so I think it's something that I talk about very vocally in our building is like, yeah. we got to be signing stuff. And I think diversity is such a thrown around word. It's like, it doesn't shouldn't be in pursuit of like, right diversity well, to like say you're diverse yeah that's you know? what i feel is like that's every time like that's why i'm such a fan of everyone in that building and everything that everyone's doing is because it's you can't fake it the reason why the artists are there that are yeah is because everyone they work with not just you not just greg yeah. johnny like everyone there truly gives a shit but people listen too. right and i think that's like you know if or when one day i'm in a position like Greg, I'm going to hire little Katarinas who understand things that I don't understand. Like, yeah. you know, like I'm, I'm very aware that one day I will be old and one day I will be not as tapped in. And it's, and even like, I actually have a, um, you know, I noticed that the scouting consulting portion of our business was a, something I didn't know existed until I worked at a label, but be very skewed in one direction of like hiring sort of like, um, you know, specifically men from like places that like schools with really elite music business programs interesting who were on a certain pocket of the internet wow. had certain connections 
And I was like, why do those kids keep getting hired? Like, I would have been an amazing scout in college. I want to go to colleges and find girls who are having basement shows and are online and doing all these things and like really know like what's next. So I went to Greg and I was like, I want to hire, you know, X amount of women at these colleges across the country to kind of scout for me. Are you cool? And he was like, go to whoever you need. So I actually have a whole network of, of women underneath me that are all in college. And I think that that like perspective is so important and it really is like my version of like trying to like change the course of like that's fucking what's awesome. normal because they're going to graduate and have a r experience yeah i graduated with no a r experience yeah <laughs> um and like i think that there's a lot of people that see that and are like well it was hard for me so it has to be hard for you Ugh. and i think that's really toxic and really really dangerous sucks really dangerous yeah like and it's like not something i ever want but i think you know what though i think that mentality comes from when you're unhappy Mm. and i think i will never feel that way because i'm i'm happy with what i'm doing like i'm happy with the things i've found and things i work on so why am i gonna another young woman who's in front of me who wants to do something i'm gonna make it hard for her like no i want her to to feel like she can discover things and by the way no one's ear is everyone's ear is their own right like my ear is my ear because once again my parents did not have good taste in music. you had to go <laughs> figure sorry, it out they listen to this like they do they they have great taste um but you know my ear is my ear because i had it shaped it's it's my, your ear is people always say like oh you have to have a good ear your ear is good because it's all your experiences of your life wrapped into one and it's how you're experiencing it. And so it's like to that point, like how can I be upset if someone with a great ear and ambition wants to be successful? Like if I can put them in position to be that way, that's great. Everybody wins. It's great. Literally everybody wins. And I hope it gets better. Yeah. And I hope I get to keep doing that. It's also like, that's our job with artists is to put them in positions to be successful. Yeah. If you can't, if you can't do that for, you, you know, your counterparts in the business, then how you can do that for your artists, right. you know, cause that's literally our job is yeah. to, to, to give them opportunities and resources and a, a clear path to become whatever they want to be, which is, you know, hopefully for everybody, a big, big artist, you know, I'm so inspired by that. Like I, I, I got so quiet in that little pocket because <laughs> I was just like, please keep going. Keep going. Like, <laughs> you, I, you have such a great mindset that. towards that. And, and like, I don't know, like that's to me doing this podcast is like, I just want to hear from more people like yourself and I want to inspire, like, again, it doesn't have to be music. I don't care. But like, I just love hearing from the people that have like really found that thing that they fucking love yeah. and are making genuine waves towards like adding yeah. to that and and continuing making the thing you yeah. love better. And I, I had that feeling about you and this podcast has confirmed that tenfold. So it's just fucking yeah. cool to hear all that, you know? No, it's so cool. I think like this is one of my favorite things is hearing other people's stories and like honestly helping people. Like I am a firm too on the Enneagram. I am such a helper. Like that's all I want to do. And it's why I think I fell into this job is like I just want to like get great people into great positions. And I mean that for artists and for others. And I think like I don't know. It's funny that you say because I always like my story's unique. I just got lucky. And like I think I need to be better about like no, mm. like I've put in the <laughs> right. Like right. I show up and I'm I'm me. And and by the way, like I also want to be clear, like not everybody likes that. Like not everybody mm. is comfortable with like someone that's going to be themselves. But you'll find that and right I've learned, yeah. And like you know, there's been plenty of instances where I feel like I have to change who I am to fit in somewhere mm. in this business. Mm. And I've learned 
just time and time again, like it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You have to just show up and be yourself. Mm. And that does mean you're going to lose sometimes and you're going to yeah. lose. You're going to, so you're, you're going to, you're going to win. You're not going to win. Yeah. And, but when you win, you're going to win with the things that make sense for you. And my one really good friend once told me like, when you, when you accept that if it didn't come to you, it just wasn't made for you. Like it makes it so much easier to be like, okay with it. Like I didn't get it. It wasn't made for me. It's fine. I was never supposed to be with it anyway. Yeah. As long as people can just work on what their true voice is and and use that as their megaphone to get into this business. Like that is, I can promise you, like you can network with all the people, send all your demo links, do all the things, whatever. The main thing that's going to get you forward is being yourself and like meeting other people that understand that about you. Fucking you know, great. it's fucking it is. Great. I feel like I've said the word corny fifty times in this podcast, but I feel like yeah, I've been corny. I have a couple of those. I have I've a been couple corny. words like that that are like reoccurring. Yeah, I'm like I'll listen back and I'm like, I say that yeah, a lot. I'm like, mm, yeah, but the, it's there's, true. There's like the theme of a podcast. You'll get like a specific word. Uh, like I remember, I did one, and the 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 theme of the word was vignettes. Like my god, like, count the amount of times we said that word. It's fun. I like it. Literally, I like it. I mean, I feel really lucky. You know, everyone I work with is like on such an exciting path and I just feel super lucky. Like I've said that word now a lot too, but just like fortunate to work with things that honestly I actually listen to. Yeah. Which is something that is rare. But again, I I think that that's because of a lot of things that you have very much done. Like that's not necessarily by accident. Mm. So I think that's cool. It's a cool example to set. Where can everybody find you? What's they the... can find me um on Instagram. Perfect. At Cat Three Rena. Yep. Katarina, but yep. with three <laughs> as the E. Um that's probably where you're gonna reach me best. Cool. I live in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm I'm a woman of the world. I'm everywhere. Yeah, here we but are. In LA. That's probably the best place. Yeah, I uh, I always like it um when people like yourself take the time to come on a podcast. Uh, I always encourage my listeners, like if you genuinely got something from this, it's always cool. I'm like, yo, like send them a DM, let them know. One hundred, no, one hundred percent. I think like, that's open cool. Door. It's it's really sweet. And yeah, a lot of people that are it's willing. So thoughtful. To, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. If you got something out of this, let her know. A hundred percent. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for doing this. This was awesome. It was the best. You're the best. There it is. Katarina's story. Like I said there at the end, I really do love it when people who listen to the podcast hit up guests like Katarina because this was her first ever podcast. Like she doesn't have to do stuff like this. A lot of times roles like this are a lot more behind the scenes. And I love and admire people who take the time to share these stories and this wisdom, all with the intention to help and make the next generation of music a better place. So if you got something from this, make sure to hit her up and let her know. For real, that means a lot. Outside of that, if you've been getting value out of the podcast in general, do me the massive favor of sharing it with friends, continuing to do so, continuing to tell more and more people about it and growing this via word of mouth is something that really, really helps me. As of right now, I put more money into the podcast than I get out of it. And that's okay. I don't mind that because it's something that I'm genuinely passionate about and I want to continue to do this and share stories like this. But the way that it's possible to keep going is by growing it. And that is a group effort. So spreading the word on social media, supporting on the Patreon if you want to, leaving five-star reviews wherever you listen, subscribing, that really, really does make it all worth it. 
So if you haven't done that already and you're down, please do it. It's super helpful. Thank you for listening. As always, I'll be back next week with another episode.